This is the BBC television service. We now present from Studio A another programme in our series of experimental transmissions in colour. Welcome everybody to episode 212 of the MetaBeaters 2 podcast, um, which as is traditional features myself, Ben. And I am David, and you're across the border. Oh, I was in Wales for a bit, yes. Yes, 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 and, and dropped in at old Skenfrith. Yeah. So I, <laughs> and I, suddenly, I suddenly remembered, oh yeah, <laughs> that one with the with Toby Jones. Yeah. And, and the... The snow that they were desperately trying to ignore. And Rory's cry for help ponytail. That's it. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that unconvincing ponytail. Yeah, so yeah, it's, it's a second division episode, I'd have said. But oh. it's not a classic, or is it a classic? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's not uh, substantial or to the art. I guess it is kind of an arc story because they're dealing with the Amy-Rory relationship. And she didn't want to be in any yeah. reality that didn't have Rory in it. Yeah, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway, and it's always good to see Toby Jones. He's always good value. Yeah, I'm surprised yeah. he never had the Dream Lord back. Uh, maybe, maybe he will come back with Scooty, uh, Shooty. Shooty. Shooty, yeah. So I always have to transpose um, various words from American English into into um, British English, and that always, or, and vice versa. So uh, oh. the C, the C. The C-H, C, the S-C-H is always confusing. Is it schedule or schedule? Oh, so, you should just go it, for your... Uh... Is it school or is it, sh- or is it shul? <laughs> it's shul. Um, it's a bunch sh- of <laughs> naval terms. <laughs> yeah, is it shooty or is it scooty? Nobody knows. I think it's shooty. I think that's what it the... is. It is. It is shooty. Yeah, it is shooty. But yeah, exactly. Um, okay, cool. We're we gonna crack on. Yeah, this episode we are gonna talk about the transition from black and white to color. And uh, yeah, wow. It's pretty obvious that there was a transition Goodness, yes. from the war games to Spearhead from yeah. Space, but that is not necessarily our transition from black and white to color. Or is it? Uh, a good question. Well, hmm. I cannot remember a time when television wasn't in color. Whoa, okay. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, seriously, I actually have been giving this some thought. Um, I think color... The switch to color was obviously in the late 1960s in the UK, and mm-hmm. I think um, Doctor Who was on, you know, you know, in the vanguard of that color switch. We never owned a television. Uh, in fact, all the way up until the early 1990s, mm-hmm. my parents did not own a television. Um, instead, they did what was practical in the 1940s and 50s, Um, They rented a television. Hmm. So uh, as far as I can remember, we switched pretty quickly from a black and white television to a color television. And I cannot remember there not being a color television. Now, there's a couple of things there, one of which, obviously, when you're renting a TV, it's more more expensive to rent a color television. Right. And of course, in Britain, unlike um, the great United States of America, um, you have to pay a television license which funds the BBC and also Doctor Who, uh, a colour television licence was obviously more expensive than a black and white television licence. So those are two barriers, I think, to the less affluent 
mm-hmm. to make that switch. Um, I'll have to come clean. My parents were not less affluent. They were reasonably affluent. So I, may, I think they made that switch pretty quickly. However, there is a perception issue here. As a very young child, I possibly wouldn't have been able to recognize what was black and white and what was color. Anyway, see what I mean? Your memory may be cheating on you. It was all television. Right. And it was in the color that it was, if you see what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so we're talking about the actual switch, you know, in real time. And I think what's, what's often interesting about the Metabilis 2 podcast is that our experience of this show is is time shifted. My experience tends to be in real time. I, mm-hmm. I experienced the show literally when it happened. Right. And more often than not, never again. Uh, and you experienced the show about 10 years hence um, mm-hmm. and on a continual repeat of some kind. <laughs> yes. Uh, um, so uh, let me. So, I mean, that's my starter for 10 answer. Uh, I mean, I'm guessing, I mean, you you also wouldn't remember TV that was not in colour. And I, then I guess it would be would have been completely jarring for you to then watch a Doctor Who in black and white, right? Well, I do have some early memories of black and white television and mostly on like Sesame Street. And so that was, uh, I think, began broadcasting in 1969. And at the time, uh, I, I probably wouldn't have been watching television at all, being an uh, infant. <laughs> But by the time I was three years old, uh, that's when my family uh, finally got color television in 1972 in time for the Olympics. Oh, uh, Olympics. Okay. Yeah. My m- mom was uh, pregnant with my younger sister. Which, which and, Olympics were those? Uh, Munich 1972, Olympics. Munich. Yeah. Ooh, goodness. Ooh, all right. Yeah. Those Olympics. <laughs> Yeah, and that was one of the, uh, I think there was two agreements my parents had if uh, they were having another child that they would switch to color television and they would get air conditioning because my sister was a summer baby. So Yeah, definitely. So color television is pretty much ingrained. That's mostly my memories. I just have some very vague memories of black and white Sesame Street, and I don't know for certain if those are recovered memories like watching youtube videos or actual memories Uh, my first really uh, vivid memory of uh, color television it was the watergate hearings with big green tablecloths that they had during the hearings wow okay for some reason Uh, fast forward several years into the 1980s when i did begin watching doctor who we had a black and white kitchen television Oh, the old kitchen television. Yeah, so we had two televisions. We had uh, one in the family room or the kind of common family area. And then there was one in the kitchen for when my parents were cooking. They would watch television, and it was like a 9-inch or probably a 9-inch television. It was pretty small. But occasionally, uh, if somebody was wanted or had dibs on the big color television, and by big it was probably 25-inch screen, uh, I would go into the kitchen and stand at the counter and watch uh, Doctor Who in black and white. So, oh, interesting. I think that was my first exposure to Genesis of the Daleks. It was in uh, black and white. So that is my <laughs> that is my earliest uh, uh, Doctor Who black and white memory would be watching okay. 
Tom Baker in black and white. And when you subsequently, as I'm sure you did, saw Genesis of the Daleks in color, was was that a, uh, were you like, wow, this is so much better? Or were you like, oh, no, I like the black and white better? No, I've always liked color. I always wanted things to be in color. And it's as a kid, you don't always have supremacy when it comes to viewing and watching things on television. And your siblings might also have their turn that they want to watch something. So it was either not watch or watch in black and white. And it's Doctor Who. Of course, I'll watch it in black and white. So uh, Yeah, I mean, you, you yeah. watch it. So that's, yeah. that was the, the, the choice, the trade-off. Either be able to watch it in black and white or not be able to watch. The, what, the sort of wild card in my Who watching, is it black and white, is it color, um, which very much confused me at the time. Um, and only I really only unconfused myself in probably in the kind of, I don't know, when I started when at well when i first started seriously started reading doctor who magazine and also when doctor who magazine started becoming serious mm-hmm. was uh, uh, i was allowed um uh, i think it you know 76 or 77 or, or whenever it was i stayed up late to watch who's doctor who oh, so yeah. the uh, the documentary um was it Are- the arena documentary one of those documentary strands um which was uh, you know it's ooh, it's about doctor who which, you know, I'm sure our two listeners have, have seen it. <laughs> uh, you know, it's on the, the Genesis of the Dalek special edition or something, or it's on one of those. Or is it on the Talons of Wang Chiang special edition? I think, it I think it's Talons. on the Wang Chiang, yeah, because yeah, it, it has the the rehearsals, um, et cetera, yeah, and some, like, effects footage there, with the rack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, or yeah, Deep yeah. Roy. Um, Roy. But, Deep Roy, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but, uh, obviously, you know, I was an avid devourer of the devourer, of the uh, target novelizations. Mm-hmm. Um, so I already knew the kind of plot of a lot of Doctor Who. And I was amazed. And also I knew, you know, that that there was a sequence of, of Doctors. You know, there was a black and white Doctor that was the first Doctor. And there was a black and white Doctor that was the second Doctor. And then there was the color Doctor, the Pertwee Doctor. And that was Your my Doctor. doctor right? uh, you yeah. know, my, my, my favorite Doctor. But I was amazed to see that they had the troll doll attack from terror of the autumns and it was in black and white hmm. mm-hmm. and i remember saying to my parents like wow why is that in black and white like was that and they said oh yeah all all early doctor who was in black and white and was when i went when i went well not that one because i know that one is is from a color doctor and they kind of shushed me and you know kind of poo-pooed my <laughs> my um my intelligent and, <laughs> and well-informed argument and that, yeah, I found that very confusing, and I didn't. And of course, the reason is that it was in black and white, is because the BBC at that point had already junked, one supposes, the uh, the colour tapes of mm-hmm. *A Terror of the Ordens*. So all the producers of *Who's Doctor Who* had to work with was the black and white telecine recordings of that fabulous um, introduction to the second season of uh, *John Pertwee's Doctor*. Um, so that was kind of confusing to me, and 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 again, I said I only really worked that one out, you know, relatively, I mean, quite a bit later in my life, actually. It kind of bugged me for years. Um, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's what that's what all that was about. So mm-hmm. anyway, because otherwise, yeah. you know, um, who's, who's Doctor Who was in glorious Technicolor? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. So that disconnect between 70s Doctor Who and in black and white was something I also experienced when they started broadcasting that after uh, countless runs of Tom Baker and... Uh, 
1980s Doctor Who, they started broadcasting earlier, the Pertwee years, and the surviving episodes of Hartnell and Troughton. Now, I knew Hartnell and Troughton would be black and white, but sure. then when the Doctor Who and the Silurians came around, it was in black and white, and that was... What? That was a little <laughs> upsetting, or not upsetting, but it was... it was Confusing. It was confusing, and sort of like, why is this in black and white? And then Terror of the Autons, that was in black and white as well. Of course, yeah. And Ambassadors of Death was in black and white. So there was, uh, there was quite a few of that uh, season seven, season eight stories. I think uh, Silurians, Ambassadors of Death, Terror of the Autons, Mind of Evil, The Demons were all broadcast in black and white. And I, I didn't think they were as good. <laughs> Really? <laughs> at the time it's sort of like I, I had a harder time getting into it as black and white okay I, I i again in thinking about this topic i was thinking like wow wouldn't it have been amazing from my perspective in the space year of 2022 for the the dalek movies mm. with peter cushing with the peter cushing doctor to have been shot in black and white and obviously they were shot in colour because that was the, as we were talking about in previous week, that was the unique selling point right. of these films. It's like, wow, mm-hmm. you got to see the Daleks in colour. That's why you went to see those films. But, you know, wow, how moody and kind of, kind of, I don't know, different they would be if they were in, you know, really well, really, really well graded black and white. I'm kind of, what, what prompted this thought was also thinking about, you know, the release, the, um, I think it's the, is it the Silver and Chrome release? It's got some special name. The release of um, uh, the recent Mad Max, recent Mad Max, you know, the Mad Max movie of a couple of years ago was re-released by George Miller, the director, in black and white hmm. um, because he wanted it to, uh, you know, to have that kind of the grading that you get from colour to be kind of completely removed from the movie and it to be just about the kinetics of the movie making, which he felt would be, uh, you know, more dramatic if if the color was removed. Did you see that version? No, I've, I've, I've not seen. Okay, it. I was wondering if it is more dramatic. I mean, it's available around. I think you can watch it on Netflix. I mean, I've watched clips of it. I've seen that movie uh, probably two mm-hmm. or three times. So I'm going to maybe wait a little longer and kind of and kind of watch it again. I'm not entirely sure I agree with him. But there are films, you know, that work really good in black and white. Mm-hmm. And you can't really imagine, you, and again, you, one can imagine the colour to be distracting. Right. I mean, I mean because I'm a pretentious person, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of Italian cinema from the 1960s. Mm-hmm. And one of my faves is uh, Michelangelo um, Antonini. Uh, Antonioni, begging his pardon, and his kind of, you know, trilogy of movies from the early 60s, La Ventura and La Notte and um, La Clisse were all made in black and white. And then he suddenly toggled to colour with the Red Desert. And he famously used colour to, in a kind of impressionistic way, i.e. he he would paint vegetation, you know, different colours in the Red Desert to kind of donate different... Um, huh. emotional states huh. of his of his heroine. I, it doesn't entirely work, to be honest, because, like, why is that bush painted red? Yeah. Um, yeah. It kind of takes you out of the action a little bit, but only because we're so used to colour. Mm-hmm. So some things work better in black and white, mm-hmm. and it isn't necessarily always, always, always good. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you one of those people who are desperate for everyone to go back to all of the 60s 
uh, Doctor Who's and colorize them. Well, with the uh, Blu-ray, Hooray announcement of season two, there was no colorized story. And I was a little bit surprised by that. Now, I can understand why they aren't doing it because it's it's not an easy extra. But yeah, I was a little bit disappointed. I w- would have thought that one of the stories would have been colorized in a good way. And I've seen bad colorizations and certain movies don't work. And I think the most infamous example was the Turner Classic or whatever colorization of Casablanca, which was just abysmal. Right. Uh, That is not a movie that works well in color. I would argue that Doctor Who works perfectly fine in color and the uh, colorizations that uh, float around on YouTube are often quite good. So I would have chosen one from season two to colorize. Which one would you have chosen? Um, just, just out of interest. Do you, do you have a like a, wow, this would look so much better in color. Hmm. And it would be the web planet. Hmm. Web planet. Would web, oh, no, I don't know. I don't know if. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it would work. I don't think it would look better in color. To me. I don't think that would work as well. Uh, I'm joking. It's not the web planet. Like if you had the Crusades mm. and complete, I think that would be a good one. But since it's not complete, so maybe the Romans would be an interesting mm. one to do in color. Okay. I would imagine you'd have a lot of greenery, and I think you could make it look like 1960s or 1950s uh, color grading cinema, which has very rich set colors, and I think it would look pretty amazing. But, you know, obviously that is not the uh, extra direction that they wanted to go. I, I Personally, I thought they would have because they've done enhanced special effects for some of these releases. Yeah, and I think I think in some way, I mean, I'm 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 going out on a limb. I'm going to say very easily because obviously it's not very easily. You know, um, if they had had the resources to animate the two missing episodes, those could have been in color for the Crusades, and then that would have been right. Great. Now we're going to spend another giant pile of money on something that most people really don't care about. I people who aren't Doctor Who fans don't care about, which is colorize right. the, the two black and white episodes and see what happens of the Crusades. Because, I mean, you watch, though, of, of, of the, I mean, I'm obviously we're all looking forward to the Abominable Snowman to be uh, released in the next week or yeah. so. Um, and you famously, you just race to the color, um, the, the, the color animation, do you not? Uh, generally, I have. Uh, I think some color animations work better than not. Uh, I, I, I'm definitely on the record saying the Power of the Daleks color animation, which wasn't designed in color, is horrific. It's just, it's it's not good at it's all. Colorized, isn't it? One, did, did they... It's it is colorized. It was and it was it was uh, colorized by BBC America, kind of on the cheap. So it wasn't designed to be color to begin with, but. The productions of Doctor Who in the 60s were color productions. They didn't have weird colorizations. You can tell by the set photos that they were normal, traditional color for the sets. There wasn't any extreme considerations beyond the uh, greenish tint to the console and the TARDIS. So the white doesn't blind out, yeah. Yeah. So I think color would... would help and yeah because i mean obviously you know. i mean obviously one one thinks about it as one has you know these um no one makes um well okay i've, I've actually i was just talking about a film director who was deliberately making things in in black and white but you know i mean tv shows and movies are are made in color like the world is colored 
And obviously any kind of TV show or movie is a fiction, it's a construction, it's a made thing. Mm-hmm. And that means, you know, you can either, you can be any colour you want it to be because it's not real. But by and large, as soon as people invent the ability to easily um, record moving images in colour, people go, yeah, OK, we'll, we'll, we'll just do that then. And, you know, the incidences of black and white in in TV and movies, I think particular movies, then becomes a choice. You know, you're, you're, you're Steve mm-hmm. Martin making gentlemen prefer plaid or you're, uh, oh, I forgot the guy's name, you know, you're um, that incredibly pretentious Hungarian film director. Um, you're making the Turin horse, which is three and a half hours long and is all in black and white. Um, or you're you know, you're George Miller and um, you're thinking, well, maybe Mad Max would look good in black and white. So, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of making a conscious decision. But but in general, I mean, you know, the world is in, we perceive the world in colour, or do we? No, we do. Here's another thing that was kind of wrapping around in my head around this subject. We have just finished, when I say we, um, my family and I, have just finished watching uh, the Breaking Bad prequel, Better Call Saul, which mm-hmm. a good proportion of that is in black and white. Hmm. And that is a decision that has been made, I think, originally to designate the the colour material was the prequel of the show, and then uh, the the Breaking Bad prequel element of the show was in colour, but then the, 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 the post-quel of the show was all in black and white. So the bits of that show that are actually post the Breaking Bad narrative were in black and white. So it was a designation thing. Okay, well, this is the and this is the other. There were some interesting choices though in that process. The first of which is, and this is something that always really bugs me. Um, didn't really bug Amanda, but it certainly irritated me. Is uh, uh, a lot of the black and white material in Better Call Saul in the later episodes is set in Nebraska in the winter time, and there's snow on the ground. Now, unfortunately, they didn't really get to shoot in Nebraska in the actual winter. So basically, they've just sprayed a bunch of white stuff on the ground um, and hope that it looks like snow. Now, that wouldn't work in color. Right. You, you can really only sell that special effect. And I'm using air quotes there, that special effect by having it in black and white. Um, the other thing they do, you know, which is the, the kind of Steven Spielberg Schindler's List thing, another film made in black and white, is there are little dots of color in the black and white. So there's a cigarette end that's very important. So that's in colour. Um, there's a commercial that appears on the TV screen and that's in colour, just like in Schindler's List, the famous the little girl who's escaping, I don't know, the Warsaw Ghetto or something, is wearing a red is wearing a red coat. So um again, I'm not sure I'm not sure exactly sure sure where where I'm going with this, but you know, I mean the I mean black and white didn't used to be a choice. Mm-hmm. And now it's it's a definite choice. And it is kind of interesting to me mm-hmm. that certainly with these animations, we're given that choice. Which Okay, do you want to watch this mm-hmm. in black and white as as originally intended? Was it really originally intended to be, black, to be in black and white? No, they just had to shoot it in black and white. Or is it in color like they fondly imagined that it was in their imaginations? I don't know. So I think post uh, The Wizard of Oz, the... Good example. Judy Garland film. Yeah. That's a good example or the classic example of shifting between color or black and white and yeah, color to that's the best example. Yep. denote current contemporary versus the fantasy situation. And it hasn't been done in Doctor Who at all that I can think of. The only time that we started out in black and white and then 
kind of bled into color was when the two doctors is, and they had Troughton and uh, Hines on the TARDIS set, the console set, in black and white, and then they kind of eased into color to, uh, I guess, bring us from the 60s into the 80s? I, I don't know. Notice skepticism in your voice there. Um, anyway, carry on. Yeah, just a, just a, just a <laughs> wee bit. So uh, other, other episodes, I think, uh, other stories, the only one that really springs to mind is Heaven Sent, where that could... That would have been good in black and white, uh, yeah. With Talalay's... Well, it's it's a very reduced palette that Talalay is uh, Rachel Talalay is using, and you could imagine that in black and white. Uh, she does a lot with lighting and shadow, and it, it has a definite look to it. But it's not that that distinction between black and white and color really isn't something that's explored or played with in Doctor Who. No, I, I, and um, I mean, do you think it should be more? Do you think now it should be black and white? Now it's in color. I think it's become with the Wizard of Oz. It's just too cliche. I don't know how you can do. I'm, I'm not a visually creative, you know, media person, but I'm not sure how you can make it without stepping into cliche with the Wizard of Oz. I mean, here's a here's here's a minor thought that's popped into my head about color versus black and white um if you're a collector of the character options action figures you'll remember of course that way back um, i'm probably about a decade ago i think now um they released a twin pack of a dalek and william hartnell and a twin pack of patrick Troughton and a tomb cybermen in black and white mm-hmm. so the figures were colored black and white Mm-hmm. Um, and they had a, and then they they did, a, they did exactly the same release, but the figures were in color. Now at the time, I poo pooed those that black and white release, and I should have done because they're worth like hundreds and hundreds of dollars now. <laughs> um, uh, and I think they're worth hundreds and hundreds of dollars because nobody bought them and nobody liked them, so they you know they weren't a, weren't a great success. And now of course you know because they're rare, everyone wants them. Right. Um, so I mean, I, I mean that was actually kind of an interesting experiment. It's like, well, you know, will fan, you know, are fans going to demand fidelity to the screen um, mm-hmm. in their action figure choices? And these were actually, I think, the first releases of any action figure of Hartnell and Trown. Yes, and I, I you know, I, I don't know this because I, I haven't asked anybody. Um, I don't know who I'd ask, but you know. I mean, potentially there was an intention by character options. Okay, we're going to do all the '60s monster and Doctor releases, you know, in black and white, like people saw them on the screen. Hmm. But then everyone said, "Well, we actually don't want that. We think these things happen in color. We don't think they happen in black and white." They voted with their credit card. They voted with <laughs> their yeah, with their credit card exactly. So on that note, we yeah. did get uh, for Elliot. The color tomb Troughton combo pack, and I think at the time I thought, well, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> really? If he wants it in black and white, he'll just desaturate the videos that he's taking with his action figures. But if he wants it in color, how can he add color? He'd have to go and you know, colorize t- it, tint it. So it, yeah. the best of both worlds is. Get him the color version, and if he wants his little movies that he was making at the time with them, he would just desaturate them, and that's what he did. So 
nothing is made in black and white right now. Everything is made shot in color and then desaturated. Yeah, like Mad Max. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the 1960s probably was the final decade where things were deliberately shot in black and white, but probably done so more due to uh, financial reasons rather than artistic reasons. So like like The Living Dead and things like that. Yeah, it was cheaper cheaper film st- Cheap, cheaper stock film and stock, yeah. and just cheaper to make. And black and white does hide uh, uh, the green grass when you're just going to uh, blast snow in a certain area, like in like you said, Better Call Saul. So yeah. your mind will fill in the colors uh, that appropriately, if if at all possible. So we've kind of gone off on a strange direction here because. When I pitched this idea, I had thought, like everyone else in the UK, uh, you didn't have color uh, when uh, when you first saw Pertwee and then you saw color and you preferred black and white Pertwee because that's where you first seen No, no, it. no. I, when I started watching Doctor Who, it was in color. Yeah. yeah. There may have been TV that I saw when I was a very tiny child that was in black and white. In fact, I'm mm-hmm. sure there was. Um, but I don't think at that age I was able to distinguish that, oh, this is black and white. This sucks. Versus, like, the rest of the world's in color. It's awesome. So when the VHS cassettes came out, I think uh, somewhere originally in black and white. I know The Mind of Evil was in black and white. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. You know, of course, there's the weird thing about between PAL and, you know, NTSC, where until, you know, relatively recently, whenever they'd show anything, you know, any piece of American videotape, especially on the news, it just looked ghastly um <laughs> those of you who are comedy fans you'll already have watched the day today um, which is one of the greatest comedy shows ever made in any dimension but they do a great gag when they have with the basically they have a chorus it's a like a spoof news show but whenever they have a correspondent coming from america a they have like an atrocious like made-up american mm-hmm. accent um and b like the color just looks like shit um, because that's <laughs> what all American TV looked like, especially when they showed it direct from video. Yeah, well, NTSC always stood for never the same color. Exactly. Oh, and so- PAL was picture always lousy. So that was... <laughs> there you go. Exactly, exactly. Uh, and I think, um, uh, you know, I, it, had we, or, or had I, and I can't speak for you, had I been more of a diehard monomaniacal fan in the 1980s I no doubt would have been part of these famous groups where they circulated you know like 13th generation (laughs) copies of you know the demons recorded from a Canadian you know Betamax system in you know 1974 which you know I I think you famously weren't particularly uh, uh, faithful to the original source material but I mean you make a good point about black and white you know it does it does hide and you know, we, we we were, I hesitate to use the word joke, but you know what I mean. Um, you know, we were saying, well, I was saying, well, maybe the best candidate for colorization would be the web planet. Well, of course it wouldn't. The web planet is the least good candidate for colorization because it's essentially, it's in black, you know, it's a black and white world. It's set on like a, you know, right. a moon of, of some mm-hmm. kind. And where it is most faithful, it's most faithful to something like the moon landings, you know, which obviously were famously in black right. and white. So that that's the last one they should they that they should they should colorize, mm-hmm. because it also hides a bunch of stuff. Um, as soon as you started kind of picking out the denizens of Vortis in various colors, 
the fact that it's basically you know it's a it's a pantomime featuring featuring giant ants you know would become even more obvious yeah the increasing definition of television also exposes the seams the kirby wires and that's the VHS cassette copy of the Tomb of the Cybermen, it's pretty hard to pick out the Kirby wires in there when uh, Toberman uh, lifts up the Cybermen. But by the time the DVD came on, the clarity of the picture is that much better, and you can see how the effects are done. And the same thing we were commenting uh, previously with the Dalek spaceship in uh, Dalek's Invasion of Earth 2150 AD, that you saw the wires, I didn't, and that was just due to I was on a much smaller screen than what we would normally watch upon. So with 4K and then which HD uh, that Doctor Who is now filmed, then there's less margin for error and everything becomes more expensive in your sets because it does reveal all the sticky tapes and plaster where you're uh, cobbling everything together. Yeah, no, it does. It does. And, you know, black and white is more forgiving in that way. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I mean, I think if you, you know, if you if you want to, I don't know, it's not pretentious, actually, I think it's useful. You know, black and white does make you concentrate less on the color of things because there is no color uh, and more on the shape and movement of things. And I think, you know, that's what, you know, if you, I think if you are, you know, asking um, uh, Belatar. Sorry, that's the that's the Hungarian director. I'm trying. I'm always trying to think of. If you ask Belatar, like, well, why do you shoot black and white? You fool! It's like because I want people to concentrate on you know the shape of things and the and what is happening rather than the difference in color between different things. Mm. Um, and mm. and you know, if you ask George Miller, well, why did you re-release your Mad Max in black and white? Because I wanted you to concentrate on the action of things. Not on you know look at that that explosion suddenly happened over there, and uh, it's suddenly in bright color. So you look at that. You know I want you to look at the whole screen. So mm. I mean, but, but black and white has has advantages, and you know I actually uh, I I I would not push for any who from the 1960s to be colorized, no matter on, on how expert though the colorization gets. Because I don't think it helps, to be honest. Because, I mean, I think the show was originally, it was designed, well, I mean, it was designed to be to be seen in black and white. Obviously, it was, it was shot in colour, because the world is in colour. I mean, I'll, I'll give you three examples of why that, I think, would be difficult. One of which, okay, what colour is the is the um, the TARDIS console supposed to be? Well, okay, it's green. It's, green. it's minty <laughs> green. Well, no, they've coloured it minty green, so it would look white. Right. So, okay, you're going to leave that white then rather than paint it minty green. Um, what colour is Mavic Chen? Now, uh, luckily, we, 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 we avoid um, any kind of race discussion around Mavic Chen because he's in black and white. Mm-hmm. I suspect, given his name and various aspects of... Kevin Stoney's makeup that he's supposed to be some kind of Chinese person but we're we're spared that because he's Mm. in black and white you know similarly with with the abominable snowmen um you know everyone's in yellow face pretending to be Tibetan monks right we're spared that discussion in large part currently I don't know what's going to happen when the you know when the DVD comes out because it's in black and white and people aren't really in any color at all so I mean there are six missing too so yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> no pictures <laughs> spare yeah. everything. Yes, I mean there are some there are some interesting things going on here. I mean, I guess we've got a bunch of color photographs from uh, Marco Polo thinking about kind of you know yellow face. 
But for what I've seen of those images, that isn't really an issue because they're mainly of um, Marco Polo and then people who are actually Chinese. So it's not a problem. But there you go. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know. See, I think I think color brings out the details. And when something now is being produced in black and white, I, I spend a lot of time, or maybe not a lot of time, but I spend time uh, mentally thinking, why isn't this in color? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think it, I don't, I disagree with the premise that it concentrates the mind and allows you to focus in on the shape or the, the the entire thing I, it's more of like okay why is this person being pretentious and what are <laughs> they trying to what are they trying to convey that it isn't in color why what's well, what, I mean, what, I think, what is I, what is I, the point and i think that that you know that 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 adorably exposes you as a quite a, quite a practical person it's like why isn't this in color um <laughs> <laughs> like what the hell um which i think is a perfectly perfectly valid Perfectly valid reaction, to be honest. Um, uh, in fact, I think it's probably the most honest reaction to like. Well, it's, it's you can shoot it in color. Why didn't you shoot it in color? Yes, and I, but I mean, I think you know. Again, if you talk to Bellatar or whoever, they go, "Well, you know, I, I I don't want you to think about color. I want you to think about what's going on, and you know what the shapes are, and what the what the shadows and the light and the dark are." But for a lot of people that's not going to be helpful. You're just going to go, well, like, why are all these people walking around in black and white? <laughs> I think grading has substituted for, for in, in the modern uh, oh, contemporary. Yeah, grading is a, is a, is a I was going to say bugbear. It is actually kind of a bugbear of mine. Like, stop messing around with the way things look. I mean, I'm much more irritated with grading than I am with black and white. Hmm. Isn't desaturation just the ultimate form of grading? It is the ultimate form of grading, but it has reference to the past, which I think is helpful. I mean, there's an amazing Russian film called um, Hard to Be a God, which is actually a great sci-fi film. It's based on a novel, but anyway, these astronauts have basically... It's like, it's like, it's like, um, it's like Monty Python and the Holy Grail if that was done seriously. Um, <laughs> <laughs> these astronauts... <laughs> astronauts have like landed on this horrific planet where basically everything is like kind of basically medieval level technology Mm -hmm. and they don't know what to do because every attempt they make to try and make things better by trying to get teach people better technology is met with them just being tortured and executed (laughs) so and it's really muddy and full of slime and it's raining all the time and it's it really works it really works in black and white in a way that doesn't actually work it would that actually wouldn't work in color so yeah, I so, so I, I disagree with you. I mean, I think in large part, yes, it's color. Shoot it in color, but I think there are some instances where black and white works. And I think what's wrong with grading is it's neither fish nor foul. It's like okay, you're pretentious enough to to want everything to be a similar <laughs> color, but you're not pretentious enough to like go the whole hog and shoot you know James Bond in actual black and white. If you, you want it to all be and white. If you want it all to look the same, shoot it in black and white. Come on. Hmm. Have the courage of your convictions rather than just kind of punk out by making everything a kind of horrible mustard color. Okay. That's my opinion, <laughs> and I'm going to stick to it. Well, let me... But, but, I'm sorry, but, but you like grading. I, I, is, is that what you're saying? Uh, well, I'm you... saying I see it as a modern tool or substitute for 
total desaturation is that one of the things I found hard to watch with the Chibnall era is whether it's due to the lens or the grading, it always seems really smeary and blurry. The colors don't seem as uh, crisp or the pictures don't seem as high definition as they should be, especially when compared previously to the Moffat era. And I, I think it's down to grading. And grading can make the sunny day look overcast and bleak and dreary like a you know winter day. And it just, I guess, uh, let me throw this question or idea out to you. If cool. Doctor Who was filmed, say Troughton era was filmed in color and existed as color television, do you think it would survive more or less intact today? What do you mean? Uh, well, not have been wiped. It would have had more commercial value longer term and episode stories would have survived. No, I don't, because I don't think it would have had a greater commercial value. I think one of the reasons why they were happy to telecine it in black and white is because they were selling it to, you know, Saudi Arabia and, you know, Sierra Leone and Australia and kind of backward places like that where they didn't really have... That, did, you, did, you, did, you, did you pick up my joke there? Where basically there wasn't a lot to take up with color television. So, mm-hmm. you know, you dub it into Arabic and, you know, sell it to Libya or somewhere. Well, no, Libya didn't exist then. But, you know, you know what I mean. Um, sell it to somewhere where most people have black and white. I mean, literally most people, literally everybody mm-hmm. has black and white televisions. There's not an advantage. So... Um, but if it was in color, you could sell it to the, the American market. And yes, potentially, yes. if you had greater distribution in the American market, more episodes would have survived. You think that a color Tomb of the Cybermen would have been able to compete against Star Trek and um, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea? Well, I would like to think <laughs> so. <laughs> um, let, me, let me say, I think you're biased. <laughs> 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 oh really <laughs> towards your favorite show um i i mm. think i think it always would have struggled because I, I think the, i think it's the wrong length i think it would have to be cut around quite a lot to fit in you know slot in the commercials and slot it into an hour you know or a half hour um you mm. know half hour with commercials or like an well, hour with... they're 20 20 24 minutes long you that's six minutes of commercials you could insert in but there's where do you make the cuts where do you put where do you put in the commercials breaks. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess we can point to, to Anderson, uh, to Jerry Anderson, and you know the, I'm going to have to say, moderate success of Anderson properties in color in the United States in the 19, you know, particularly I think late 1960s. But I'm going to say moderate success uh, because I think, I mean, I mean, I mean, would, would you have wanted Doctor Who to be excess to be a success in the United States because it was in color? Would that not have like led to, you know, being a co-production with, you know, Paramount or something and the Doctor ending up like Captain Kirk or something? Hmm, maybe. I'm looking over the Troughton era and I'm not sure what story would work in America in the 1960s at all. What I think appealed to Star Trek fans, honestly, is the Cold War over the vibe to it with the Klingons and the Romulans and the the conflict. It was a space western. If you look at Troughton era, even like the Hallmarks, the Web of Fear, the Invasion, the War Games, they're... I think quintessentially British or have a British perspective that just would not have gone over with the American audience. And it's probably why 
Doctor Who really didn't catch on until you had uh, Tom Baker uh, in in the 1980s. So almost 20 years later, yeah. or at least 15 years later. Yeah. So there might not have been a market for it at all. I mean, I'm sure they tried, but I always thought it was perhaps a color, but maybe the stories just did not have cachet of 1960s Americans. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, without being mean about America, I mean, I think it is, in a, you know, uh, certainly for the, uh, for the standpoint of the rest of the world, it is a notoriously protectionist um, economy. I mean, basically, America's job is to destroy everyone else's things so that American things can be sold to everybody else, um, you know, in every kind of aspect of technology and, you know, in large parts of culture. The point is, is to get rid of everyone else's culture so that you can replace it with an American culture and everyone makes a lot more money. So, you know, you get mm. Walt Disney grabbing mm. German fairy tales and like, OK, these are not German fairy tales anymore. These are American stories with Americans in them right. doing American things. So suck it, Germany. Um, and what's more, <laughs> we're just going to sell them back to you. Right. And I think, you know, I, I, I mean, that's, you know, without, I mean, obviously I'm overstating it a bit, but I mean, that is the trajectory of the 20th century in terms of culture is like everything needs to be American. And that is what, a, you know, kind of America is about. Like America is the best country. Like, why shouldn't everything be American? I mean, you know, there's a, you know, there's a manifest destiny there. So are we going to see something similar happen with the Sony co-production of That would Doctor be my Who? fear. Yeah, that would be my fear. I mean, I think one could see a Buffyization Buffy of Doctor Who where you have a, you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a, is a good show. Um, obviously, you know, everyone hates Joss Whedon now for various reasons. But, you know, it has a doctor in it. So, you know, Giles the librarian is an English man and he behaves like an English person in large part and is a doctor figure mm-hmm. so one, one could say I, I could certainly see that happening i could you know the doctor stays some variety of english person all the companions end up being americans i mean i don't know uh, it really depends on how broadly they want the show to to reach um I, I'm, I'm not going to counter argue myself i may think tv is of oh, tv you know small screen uh, long form drama is so kind of balkanized at this point because there's so much money in the system right. that actually there's probably no reason to make a show like Doctor Who like something that would appeal to all Americans. Um, it's good enough that it appeals to a big enough sect, a big enough small sector of Americans that it's that that it's fine, you know. It would be more of a risk of having it turn into like a Star Wars or a Star Trek type franchise where it's. Uh, I think war based. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, or like a, you know, like a, like a, like a, you know, I don't like a Mandalorian or something. Mm, um, mm-hmm. But I mean, I think there would be. There, I mean, you know, there, I mean, I think Russell T Davies talked about, you know, has talked about there should be more of Doctor Who. There should be more. That it should be like the Star Wars, uh, you know, Star Wars universe or the you know the MCU. Yeah, they've always. I mean, I when I was a kid, I. I've said this before, but I fully expected it to be a Romana and K9 and E-Space spinoff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. that would that would have been a very easy one to do where you have the Doctor, uh, in this case Romana, going off of a companion, a Thal, uh, in E-Space. 
but I don't see a natural breaking off point for that. It'd be you'd have to do more like the Terry Nation Destroyer type things, where or, or like the, the the Dalek comics, where it's just Daleks. You have some okay. just Daleks, and they're battling the Daleks, or the you know, just, are you on the Dalek side or on the you know their conquer conquering yeah, it's side? Just Daleks being Daleks. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I, I you know, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not too worried about that because I think actually. What's been proven in the United States is that, you know, it can survive fan wise, um, audience wise by being incredibly British because that's something that the American people like. Uh, And as long Mm -hmm. as that Britishness isn't too obscure, you know, and and as long as the cultural references are easily explainable, um, like, you know, or commercialized, like (laughs) Jammy Dodgers or, you know, Fish Fingers and Custard or. You know, right. um, I don't know other stuff like that. Um, you know, it's, uh, city, London city buses. Yeah, or, you know, as yeah. long as it doesn't like start, as long as it doesn't try to explain Brexit or the NHS or the Constitution of Britain. You know, as long as it doesn't get into stuff that's really boring and not particularly relevant, I think it's fine for it to be. You know, to be a. You know, I mean, just look at the, the success of Downton Abbey, which is you know a or Bridgerton. You know, which are fantasy mm-hmm. worlds built on various notions of Britishness. I mean, Doctor Who's the same. I mean, Doctor Who's better because I like it um, than both of those other two <laughs> shows. But it is none. But all of those three shows are, you know, a, a fantasy of Britishness. And, you know, again, you watch any, any you know, PBS detective show, they're all set in Britain and they're all basically varieties of British fantasy. Um you know, mm-hmm. for, for people who like that kind so of thing. Touching back on Doctor Who in black and white, what is your thoughts on the color recovery that they've done or the recolorization? Oh, that's great. Now, I mean, that's, I mean, I've, I think I'm on record as saying, I mean, that's, that's you know, that's a level of technology that's so high that it's, to me, it's indistinguishable from magic. Right, you know, right. I don't know how they did it. Um, well, I do know how they did it, but it doesn't make sense to me. It, they, they may as well just be <laughs> wizards at this point. And they are, yeah, they are, they wizards. are wizards, exactly. And obviously, things that were shot, things that were shown in color, or that were shot to be to be viewed in color, that color should be recovered. Um, and I think they've done a stand up job in doing in, in recovering that color, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, color, you're 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 an originalist, I guess. It would be. I'm an originalist. I'm yeah. Of. I'm like I'm like I'm like Clarence. Is it, yeah, Clarence Thomas. <laughs> well, it's I. You know, I've. It's like me with Star Wars. I like Star Wars 1977. That that's right. that's the movie I like. Right. I like the un upgraded special stop, effects and all stop that stuff. Screwing stuff. around with and it it's, exactly. It's a yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, I same thing same thing like for Doctor Who. I really don't care for the updated special effects, but I guess where I leave that train of thought is I I think I would have liked to seen some colorized Doctor Who from the 1960s, like one a season. Yeah, just to see what it. Yeah, be no, like. I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with you. Yeah, I mean, by and large, I don't think it should be done, but I think it would be interesting to see. And I'm slightly more sympathetic to special effects than you are, especially when it comes to laser beams, which I think are really, uh, they really take me out of the action. You know, you know especially K9's <laughs> attempt to laser beam people in the 1970s <laughs> really feels to me to be just that's not real. That's not actually happening. Um, even though, of course, I also know a robot dog in space could also not happen either. Were you at Gallifrey in the Gallifrey audience when they showed the color version of the episode from the Dalek Master? I, I was, yeah. 
How'd that go over? No, everyone liked it. You know, they're all fools. No. Uh, <laughs> okay. So maybe that's no, no, the I'm right joking. venue no, it was, for it. No, it. It, it was pretty cool. I felt there was a level of redundancy to it that didn't really work for me. It's like, well, hmm. I would prefer you put your energy into something that I want, which is, I mean, I personally want, obviously. I always prefer you put your energy into that, you know, which is actually reanimating some episodes. Right. I'd rather you reanimated the missing bits of Dalek master plan rather than went back and put in color colorized made things the color that you think they should be Mm -hmm. without actually knowing what color they were whatever color that is so like the experiments that people have done with animating telesnaps or extending out telesnaps to capture missing video footage the the stuff like that kieran hyman does his handle is the 66 ramblers on twitter and he's an australian he animated a telesnap of troughton and padma sadmava talking from a bottom of a snowman where he does uh the acting the face capture and then he puts the telesnaps over his I want to see that face. Yeah, I like that. Th- so that that type of stuff. That's where you're uh, thinking. That's where I think. Going. That's where I think the should go. I mean, I think I've seen I've seen Gav Rymill yeah. um, present present stuff where you know he's kind of at, you know literally animating t- tele snaps. Yeah. Um, and you know the same kind of you know they did for the vidfire thing. You know, only kind of you know to a million percent. Where okay, right. what's in between? <laughs> what's in between each each tele snap? Right. Okay, it's just going to fill in that then. Um, I I would prefer the energy be spent on that. I think that's a more useful activity. Mm -hmm. And by useful, I mean I want it. Right. Rather than it's useful in any kind of objective sense. It's useful. It helps us us visualize the story. That's that's true. It does. It does. It does. The story, the the stories that we care about so much. Yeah. Speaking of Gav Rymel, he was very much on board with the Web of Fear uh, Part 3 that they animated with uh, the 3D type set design because you can recreate uh, down to the camera angles, the camera moves yes. of what's going on in the sets. And that technology, I do believe, could only get better with uh, uh, better uh, models of the actors because... Yeah, I'm, and I'm, I'm on record um, of saying I, that's why I like that episode 3 animation so much because i can see what that can be mm-hmm. and i know everyone else hates it because it looks stupid because it kind of does but you know it what what really bugs me about the animated animations is that they are you know they're so two-dimensional mm-hmm. um, they've gotten and, even more so yeah yeah i mean you know th- that was you know the, the the fury from the deep is just kind of you know ridiculously <laughs> kind of stretched out into uh-huh. widescreen where it doesn't have to be and like right. you know none of there's no exciting camera angles you know, it's just like it's like watching captain pugwash or something which is great i like i like captain pugwash but you know but doctor who is not captain pugwash indeed it is not all mr ben um, or the well, it, it it should be more like the wombles and less more like, like the mr. wombles ben. less like mr ben always yeah <laughs> Right. Well, that's okay. that's color. It is <laughs> a, a wide-ranging yeah, yeah. journey through what a uh, wide space and discussion. time. Yeah, yeah. yeah we're, 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 we're literally very intelligent, and you should always listen to our podcast. <laughs> well, you're you're the intelligent one. I'm more the. Uh, uh, Why isn't it in color? <laughs> one. <laughs> yeah. I'm no, the, I'm you're the, the voice of reason. You're like you're like you're, you're you're the yeah. You're the voice of reason. I'm the voice of of of, of irrationality. Art. Art and uh, yeah, intellect. That's it. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, right. Well, thank you for listening to episode 212, 212 
of the Metabeals yeah. 2 podcast. I have been uh, complaining about the lack of a color version of a season two story. Too, Ben? Uh, and I have been needlessly referencing the films of the Hungarian miserablest Bella Tarr <laughs> with David. Oh, I think we'll ha- I'll have to find the soundtrack for that and lead us out on Oh god, well okay, the Turin horse is the is the classic, like it's like ten hours long or something. It's like ten yeah. hours long and it has three it has like thirty cuts. <laughs> I'm exaggerating, but it's that. It's that tedious. Oh. Anyway. And it's in black and white, you wouldn't like it. No. <laughs> it's Hungarian. <laughs> and it's in Hungarian. Yeah. In in software there's a something called Hungarian notation where you uh, different variables are typed whether it's like a, a integer or a boolean or a string or whatever and okay. so hung, Hungarian notation uh, encodes in the variable name what type it is and I just despise it without oh, uh, excellent. With, with a passion so <laughs> Hungarians already got a bad rap yeah well I mean they're, yeah, they're, I mean, yes exactly yeah they're a funny bunch the Hungarians Magyars a lot of them yep yep well, if you have been, thanks for listening. Yep, thanks for making it this far. Yeah. <laughs> have a good week. <laughs> this, is, this is the good bit. Okay. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> Indeed. Oh. Well, that, that, that worked pretty well. That's, that's a good discussion. <laughs>